When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Six Rings and Football Things. But guess what? This is a special edition because it's kicking off, as you can see, if you're watching the video, our off-season Six Rings prospect preview podcasts. If you're watching or if you're listening, either way, you're going to get a taste of Mike Cadlick, WEI.com, who's new to the off-season draft process, and yep. Chris Shime Time Shime from the Greg Hill Show. Not new to this process. He was with us last year for these podcasts. And if you've uh, been a part of the Six Rings uh, or even the Off Day Pod family for the last few years, you know Chris has no problem sharing uh, passionate views about prospects, sometimes popular, sometimes not. Sometimes mm-hmm. right, sometimes not. Very true. We've. I think we. I think you and I have been doing this now. This is our like fourth year doing these I, off-season pods. Yep, and I love that because then it gives for some listeners a history, and they may trust you more in one area, not area, whatever. So, but what we're gonna do as uh, we dig through the next couple months of the most important off-season in Patriots history, arguably with new head coach Gerard Mayo, new head of whatever the hell he's the head of, Elliot Wolf. Matt Grow going to have $100 million to spend in free agency. And as you know, going to have the number three pick for now, dun, 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 in the first round of April's NFL draft. Uh, and before we get to the quarterbacks, and as I said, we're going to go position by position all February, March, and early April. We're going to bring you through positions that some people don't like to talk about. We'll talk about some guards, some D tackles, some fat bodies. But also, obviously, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the athletes, the ones that more people care about. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, and I'll start, I guess, with Mr. Cadlick. Yep, what do we got? Uh, Just uh, some rumblings of late um, Mm -hmm. that the Minnesota Vikings and New England Patriots may have begun talks at the Senior Bowl to lay the framework for a potential possible could-be, would-be, maybe trade for the number three overall pick, that would include Uno, Dose, Trace, first-round picks coming Ooh. to the New England Patriots. So How I don't want to branch off too far because this is a prospect <laughs> podcast, but just initial thoughts on that and maybe any other trades that could come down the pipeline. Yeah, um, to, two things today. Pe- well, Peter King, who is retiring from uh, yeah. from from sports writing, some big news, and his final uh, column for uh, – NBC Sports this morning also dropped the nugget that he thinks the Bears are going to trade the number one pick. So Patriots really have an opportunity here to move up or down uh, if they want to. It's the ultimate smokescreen. I know you want up. And uh, I, I mean, I do, too. If you have we've talked about it a million times, if you're if you have conviction on a quarterback, go and get them. But uh, regardless, yeah, they're going to have some options either up or down. 
Um, as far as the, it's right now, especially combine week, it's like the ultimate smokescreen season. Like people are just going to throw BS out there just to either throw people off their own scent or get people thinking one way and then backdoor cut them the other way and make a deal behind closed doors. So uh, you have to take basically every, every single rumor from now until draft day with a grain of salt, no matter who reports it, because it could just be, you know, someone doing someone else a favor or it could be true or it could be not. And you just got to um, do your work on it. But as far as this, this specific one, specific one with the Vikings, you would, they have the 11th pick, right? You'd follow yep. 11. Um, if you trade out three. So, I mean, if you can get three first round picks, stay at 11, you're not going to get that top three quarterback. Uh, you may land on a guy like JJ McCarthy, who we'll get to in a little while here. Um, but ultimately they have so many holes to plug um, following last season on offense that it might be worth it. Um, maybe, maybe get Justin Jefferson in there too. You, you, you never know, but um, you, you definitely have to explore it, especially with, you know, what we've heard about Elliot Wolf the last couple of days, Mike Reese talked about his um, I guess his philosophy, draft day philosophy uh, following his father, Ron's footsteps where best player available, no matter what. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but my, my main thing right now with the rumors is you got to just kind of take it for what it's worth because it really could be true and it really could just be a bunch of BS. So Chris, uh, real simple. And for me, any proposed trade has almost nothing to do with, um, what you're acquiring as much as it does to, how do you feel about the quarterbacks? Cause if you yeah. think the guy that's going to be available at three is a franchise quarterback. You can remember the Adam Schefter. The Patriots aren't trading Jimmy Garoppolo for four first round picks. Yeah. He was right. They got a second. Um, <laughs> but I'm not, if I think Jaden Daniels, Drake may or Caleb Williams, one, two, or three of them is going to be there at number three and our franchise quarterbacks. No, you, you no, you, you can't have him. I need him. I want him. Um, would basically with what we know now. And as we get into what we think about these top three quarterbacks, would that trade be on your radar, Shime? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, it's like if if one of those two, I would wait until draft day. It's one of those things where I wouldn't pull the trigger now. I wouldn't do right. kind of what San Francisco, Agreed. Miami did a few years ago. Um, I would wait because if one of those first two guys falls to you at three, I am scooping him up no matter what. I'm not hesitating. But if it's Jaden Daniels on the board at three, I'm probably trading the pick. I'll take the three first round picks and a third. Probably that's what San Francisco mm -hmm. got when they or uh, Miami got when San Francisco moved from twelve to three. So if I can get three firsts and a third for that pick, I'll do that all day. Especially with how much this team needs, right? Like you look across the board, they need help at receiver. They need help at line. They need help at quarterback. They need, they could still use a little bit of help on defense. The defense is going to be good, but you can still fill even more holes. Like it's, you could use a, another top tier corner. Like there's a lot that this team could use and three first round picks can go a lot way. And, and not only can you just draft with those picks, you can use those to trade later. If you want to mm -hmm. trade back up in that first round, if if a guy you really like, like if Malik Neighbor starts to leak down towards eight, what's stopping you from trading with Atlanta and, and going jumping back up to eight and using some of that capital? And so uh, I think that is, if it's not Williams or May there at three, I, I'm totally in on that trade. Okay, so uh, Shaim has tipped his hand. So let's dive right into it. The quarterbacks, there is... Uh, in my opinion, a divide that is not the same as Chris Scheim's divide. So uh, I'll lead this off. I think the entire planet believes Caleb Williams is the most talented quarterback on the board. The question is, um, is he a diva? Is he a dink? Is he a loser? 
Is he a baby? Is he an egomaniac? Uh, it has been open season on Caleb Williams for the last, I don't know, four or five months. He turned the ball over, held on to the ball too much at USC. They did not have a great year uh, in terms of wins and losses. That defense but I, stunk. Yeah, they were uh, absolutely. So bad. They were so, so bad. I absolutely believe he's the most talented quarterback in the draft, most talented player in the draft. I think um, he's the best player in the entire class. Like, I yeah, still put him over Marvin Harrison. The only question is, um, are you going to get that? And where does he go? I know the the things with the equity in a team, the thing with crying on mom's shoulder, is he a leader? This really feels a little bit like that draft day movie where, yeah. you know, how many people went to his birthday party kind of thing. And that yeah. off the field leadership, because I, I keep bringing up Eli Manning and John Elway. You can be a dink who doesn't want to play for a certain team or is trying to leverage certain things coming in and end up a Hall of Fame quarterback and end up beloved in, in various cities and all those things. Be a leader. I don't think anybody questioned the leadership of John Elway when he was going to the Super Bowl all the time and winning Super Bowls. And this one's for John and that whole crap. But, you know, he didn't want to play for the Colts. He didn't play for the Colts and he turned the Broncos franchise around. So. Caleb Williams, to me, has all the tools except size. Like, he's not a big dude, but he can run, he can throw off. You know, we've all heard the cliches and, mm -hmm. and the various aspects to his game. Now, I do think he's like a running back who looks for the big play too often. Um, he's always seemingly wanting to make plays rather than just take plays. You know, the mm -hmm. Mac Jones, you never go broke if you take a profit mm -hmm. or the old dink and dunk from Brady. Um, but again, that may be what you need to coach. Like, I'm sorry, they don't show up ready-made to win Super Bowls and be dynasties, right? Like these, there's a reason Andy Reid's a good coach and what they've done with a talent in Kansas city. So I like Caleb Williams. I would draft Caleb Williams. I'd be scared to death of what he is and what his family is and what he wants to be in a diva. But I've said it. And this is why, in my opinion, you have Gerard Mayo as your head coach, a new age, young guy, Figure it the F out if you get Caleb Williams. Figure out how to maximize the talent and minimize whatever you want to call the other stuff. So Caleb Williams, by far, number one on my board. Um, because he looked like he made a face when I said Caleb Williams' talent, we're going to go to Chris Scheim in the bottom box to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I so I am, uh, I am not with you guys. I don't have Caleb Williams as the number one overall player in the draft. I have, wow. I have Drake May. I, okay. I think that I, I like Caleb and don't get me wrong. I think this kid is insanely talented. I think they're both in a class of their own, but they're kind of in two separate directions. I just think there's more scenarios that Drake may pans out than there are Caleb Williams pans out. Um, I, I, but when it comes to Caleb Williams, like did some of the throws he can make off the, the ridiculous platforms that he's throwing from it, a lot of the times reminded me of like that shortstop fading away after fielding mm -hmm. the ground ball and yet can still throw an absolute piss missile across his body yep. and hit his guy square in the chest. Like there's no denying how talented this kid is, but I think you kind of nailed it, Andy. For me, a lot of it was decision-making at time. Like he, it almost seemed indecisive. Like when he was snapping the ball, he, he go through, he start to go through his progressions and then feel pressure that wasn't always there and kind of escape the pocket. And that's why he had one of the highest times to throw in all of college football, because he just wants to buy as much time as he can and try and make a big play. And I think in large part, that was because USC was so bad defensively that he had to score on every drive mm -hmm. or they lose the football game. And so I think part of it was hero ball. And I think part of it is just who he is, but 
you're also seeing a lot of quarterbacks have success with that in the NFL. Guys like Josh Allen, guys like Patrick Mahomes, at least when he started, were very similar in that regard. Nowadays, they've learned to be better. And I think Caleb can learn to, you know, take what's in front of him, take the check downs. But I also think that the people that just assume he can only play improvisationally are kind of off base. Like he can play in rhythm. He can mm-hmm. take the snap, quick one read, get the ball out. Like, and when he gets the ball, man, that thing comes out hard. Like it's yep. a rocket. Um, so look, I, I think Caleb's really, really talented. I just don't love the indecision a lot of the time. I I, th- I think I think you're right. He does make he does want to make the big plays a lot, and it results in some mistakes. You've seen strip sacks that probably wouldn't happen if you just throw the ball away. A guy like Michael Penix isn't gonna get strip sacked there, he doesn't take sacks. Caleb Williams will take sacks. He'll take negative plays. He's like, he's a Barry Sanders type quarterback. Like that's kind of what he is to me, which he can be really effing good. He could be hall of fame. Good to me though. There's just too much variance there for me to feel comfortable saying he's the best player in the draft. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say the, the off the field stuff. Um, like I think is, you know, complete nonsense. And again, that's stuff that will sort of, um, I shouldn't say complete nonsense. Cause you know, some of it's kind of like, there's question marks there, but that's the stuff that they're all going to hash out this week at the combine. He's going to go through the ringer with all the teams at the top and, you know, we'll start to hear how he, um, I guess, you know, displays himself and talks to teams and we'll kind of get that, that character uh, nugget out of the way you would think this week. Um, As far as like on the field, you know, the, the hero ball stuff like that, that to me is stuff that was there this year. It wasn't there the year prior as much. Anyway, he wins the Heisman trophy two years ago, you know, that whole thing. Um, and then there, we mentioned it. Their defense was just so bad that, like Shime said, he was just trying to make things happen way too much and way too often. And that's where that, um, you know, sometimes his improv was outstanding and he's throwing the ball off platform, you know, spinning his arm around and chucking it right, in, like you said, right into a guy's chest. And other times he's making bad decisions. And so the comparison to Patrick Mahomes with him, like, admittedly is unfair because we're talking about Patrick freaking Mahomes, who is the best quarterback since Tom Brady. But at the same time, that's the stuff that was coached out of him by Andy Reid, and that's why he took that raw talent in Patrick Mahomes and turned him into the spectacular player that Mahomes is, you know, teaching him to take what you can get and, you know, the Mac Jones stuff you talked about, Andy. And so, look, I think it's you take the talent, you culture him in a good situation, wherever that may be, and you, you cook with gas. And that's kind of, and that's why I have him as number one. Um, and, and that's not a knock on Drake May. I just think that, you know, Caleb's talent is – it's all there and it's it's hard to nitpick anything about his game. It's hard though, right? Because like Mahomes had that year to sit. And unfortunately for Caleb, right. he's not gonna get that. He's not gonna be drafted by a team with the best offensive play caller in football behind a, a quarterback that led his team to the playoffs the year prior. Like he's gonna get drafted to the Bears or the Commanders that right. need you to come in and have success right away. And I'm afraid that the hero ball mentality will continue in a place that needs someone to play hero ball a lot of no, the time. That's a good point. And and I think that's so that's why I feel like at least to start his rookie season like he may not be as good as we hoped right away but could end up being that a year or two down the road okay so barring a trade to number one I think we can all agree the Patriots are not going to have a shot at Caleb Williams whether he goes one whether he goes two correct how if somebody else trades up to one I just don't think he's going to be in play so now we get down to which sounds like is going to be a little debate also between the three of us the next two quarterbacks in the three-man group up top, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. I'll be honest, I started this process with Drake May as my number two and Jaden Daniels as my number three. 
I have since flipped that. Uh, I now have Jaden Daniels as my number two. Drake May as my number three. Now, I have all as draftable top five could-be, would-be franchise quarterbacks. I think they are in a group of three, and I think there is a significant drop-off after Drake May, Jaden Daniels, the group of three. Um, so the comparison, I because this the blizzard that was never the blizzard for you guys, but was the snow down here, that was the day that I really dove in. I spent a few hours watching both of them, came away with my comps, and I've told this to um, Mike Cadlick a few times. I landed on the obvious Patrick Mahomes. To me, Jaden Daniels is the NFL Lamar, not the college Lamar. And what I mean by that is I think he's more advanced in the passing game than Lamar was coming out of Louisville. I think he's a better NFL caliber passer. Obviously makes good decisions with the football, doesn't turn it over a ton, can make plays, and has that. I don't know what he's going to run for a 40 if he runs a 40. He splits more defenders than I see. Two people coming at angles, and you're like, oh, which one's – oh, neither of them's going to tackle him. Okay, all right, so he split them. And then Drake May is my third. He's my Josh Allen. He's my upside is Josh Allen because I think he's a better runner than people give him credit for Definitely. as a 200 and yeah. whatever the hell pound, 30 pound, 35 pound dude. He's the biggest frame in the group. He's the most traditional, I think, build in the group and also can make all the throws. I, I like him. I like him a lot. I just think in the modern game, Daniels to me has a little bit more upside, but it will not st- you know how everybody says there won't be three franchise quarterbacks? I say, why not? Yeah, like, right. Why? Because history says you don't. Well, screw you. I don't care about history. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about three separate individual prospects that yeah. I think now there's pitfalls for all three, but I don't think I'm not ruling out the possibility that all three of these guys are Pro Bowl quarterbacks, top 10. Now, what a franchise quarterback is is a different debate for a different day. Is that top five every year? Is that in that group of 12 that rotates a little on the back end? Whatever. Um, so, yeah, I have Jay. That's Daniels like every second. coin flip, Andy. Like, you know, if a if a coin goes heads 10 times in a row, the next flip has nothing. That has nothing right. to do with those other flips. Right. Like, they, this could easily like, just be three quarterbacks that are. Yeah, the jackass on Twitter who have you hot. Jack Jumbo Fart hasn't even looked at the history of the number three pick. What a more. I don't give an F about the history. I'm talking about the 2024 draft for the New England Patriots and the prospects that are here. So uh, long story short, I think all three of them can be franchise quarterbacks. I like all three of them. Very different skill sets. And Chris Scheim, because we've had this debate going on five years now, I also don't give a rat's ass about the QB readiness of the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. Franchise quarterback changes all of that, and you find a way to get the other crap ready along the way. So I, I'm all in on the three of these. I if I would stay put. I, I'm sorry. Yes, tantalizing three first-round picks. Now, Cadillac, you threw something in there. If they can get three first-round picks and Justin Jefferson, now I really got to yeah, listen. That'd be yeah, but that's like getting five first-round picks. That's yeah, what right. I was just going to say. So really, I have to listen, even if I like these guys. That's I mean, that's – that would trump the Herschel Walker trade, in my opinion. If you can trade the number three pick for a superstar stud receiver, who, as Shime is right, that's two first-round picks right there, and then another three first-round picks, you, you got to do it. But barring that, I'm staying put, and I'm taking the quarterback that falls. So, I'll, um, what I'll do is I want to give Shime his time to get on the soapbox and just gush over Drake May like I know he wants to. So, I'll quickly give my take on these two guys and then give okay. Shime the floor. because. Okay, cool. Um, I went, I was originally all season long throughout college football was Caleb, Drake, May, Jane Daniels. 
Daniel starts to make the Heisman leap, and I'm like, I start to kind of pay more attention to watch his game, see how much he's improved from being at Arizona State to last year at LSU until just the skyrocket he took on this year. And I started to, you know, fall in love with Jaden a little bit more there. But watching watching some more and kind of, you know, paying attention and seeing like watching a little bit, frankly, a little bit more of Jaden Daniels game, I've gone back to Drake May being my number two guy. I just look at Jaden Daniels and I watch some of look, he looks like a cartoon character sometimes, just does not protect himself, starts running and goes runs into Gets a linebacker and does like completely whopped and like <laughs> falls on his face. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're not going to last six games in the NFL if you play like that. And so again, with the, with the Caleb Williams stuff, that's stuff that you got to just coach out of a guy, yep. which can most certainly happen. Um, but I look at, and I know that Alex Van Pelt said, and I, I'm sort of looking at this through a Patriots lens, right? And so I look at what Van Pelt said last week and how they don't really have a scheme yet. And they're going to bring in a guy and then they're going to mold what they want to run around him. But given what he's run in the past, this, you know, West Coasty system, um, you know, taller, bigger, bootleg type guy who can run if you have to, but you don't, you're not going to, you know, completely design runs around a guy unless, you know, again, you, they bring in like a Deshaun Watson like they did in Cleveland. I just think Drake May fits what they want to do so much better. He can get you a couple, you know, five, 10 yards if he has to, but he's not going to split a defense necessarily like Jaden Daniels does. Um, a little bit better of a decision maker, I think. Sometimes Jaden Daniels makes a throw and it's like, what the F are you doing? Um, and I just think there's a little bit more in the pocket, not necessarily in the pocket, but improvisational skills to throw from Drake May instead of Jaden Daniels, mm-hmm. where Daniels is going to look to run faster. Yep, absolutely. So I just think what, what Van Pelt wants to do, what they want to do in New England, I think Drake May is, is my number two guy. But let's hear Shine because I, I, I need to hear from a, from a Drake May guy about what the heck's up with So him. I just want to start with Jaden Daniels. You and I see Jaden Daniels very, yeah. very differently, Andy. I have Daniels as like my 3A to 3B of Michael Penix. Like I think they're very – I think they are very much on the same level. I just think they're very – I just think they're very good at two different things, right? I think Michael Penix is the best pocket passer in the draft, whereas I think uh, Jane Daniels is the best runner in the draft. And so I think they're respectively really, really good at the one thing they do well, but then their other parts lack. Like for me, Jaden Daniels, you come to Lamar. I just, I don't see that to me. It is like if Julio Jones played like Russell Wilson, that's what it looks like a quarterback to me. Like he, he has a, like a, uh, great touch on every <laughs> ball down the sideline outside the boundary, but you know, being six, four, 200, maybe they say two ten. He doesn't look two ten. He looks mm-hmm. like one ninety. He looks like Bryce young. He looks like one ninety five, maybe 200, but it, it, they say two ten. I don't buy it. Regardless. Catholic said it. He goes out and gets Molly in this thin frame. That's a concern. I, I don't love the way he throws over the middle of the field. I don't think he has a fastball. He looks like, you know when you go into a batting cage and it just throws one speed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he mm-hmm. looks like. Every pass is one speed. The only thing that changes is the trajectory of the pass, which is why the downfield balls look good because he has great touch, but there's no speed change in the way he throws the football. And for me, that's a concern because at the NFL level, like especially with a guy like Alex Van Pelt, you need to play action, hit your back foot, and that ball needs to be coming out like a rocket over the middle of the field to a lot of guys. You can't just constantly attack the boundaries, uh, at least in this offense. And so I think that limits him in a lot of ways. And I think Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas are so damn good that if you yeah. had given them to Drake May, you would be gushing about Drake May like you did about Joe Burrow. Like oh, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of, possible. that's kind of, cause Tez Walker 
not very good in my right. opinion. And then the other, I think their leading receiver for most of the season was McCollum. He sucks. Holy smokes. Go watch the game against one in five Virginia and just watch how bad Drake may hit this guy in the hands like five times. He dropped all of them, <laughs> all of them. It was, it's, it's embarrassing. But so to get to Drake may this guy to me is and Andy, you heard how much I gushed about Anthony Richardson last season. I was kind yeah. of just in lust with his physical <laughs> traits. Drake made dude after Anthony Richardson combine last year, I was like off the wall. God, I was pants tent. He had the like best combine I've ever seen. It yeah, was it right. was insane, and I wouldn't be shocked if Jaden Daniels runs like a four 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 at forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Drake May, I believe, is the best quarterback I've ever like watched coming out of college football. This yeah, kid ever? can't oh. ever. I, I've I have. Like I it's I've been doing this, I've been doing this now for about six years, right? Like I've been just you know self-evaluating quarterbacks coming out of the draft for about six years. He is the best quarterback I have seen coming better than Trevor Lawrence was, better than I just wow. he can make every throw in the book. He knows how to throw a change up, he knows how to throw it, he has great touch deep. The accuracy is there. Like I said, I think a lot of his issues resulted in uh there was a lot of issues with those receivers, a lot of drops occasionally he makes these weird passes where it will just, he'll just sail it. Like he'll throw it off the back foot and sail it, but it's not a dangerous pass. The guy had like Mm -hmm. outside of the nine interceptions had like seven other turnover worthy plays the entire year. And so I just think that he can, he can do just about anything you want him to do at the NFL level, whether it's play, play it shotgun, quick passes, stretch the field, hit the middle of the field. He can throw a missile across the middle, or he can throw a touch pass down the sideline along the boundary. Like he can do literally everything. And I think he does it more consistently than Caleb Williams. Like I said, I feel like there's more scenarios. He could be drafted by more different teams and be great than Caleb Williams can. And, and to me, I think that when you are almost location proof in a way, like no matter what, coordinator you draft him he's going to be good whether it's air raid under center play action uh you know uh, spread and shred like whatever you want to do he can do it and and i think drake may is special like i think this kid is he is he just thrower of the football you mentioned his improvisational ability the left-handed pass he made is stupid like you look at some of those highlights (laughs) he's he's holding off a defender with one hand and can still make a throw that's the Josh Allen stuff he has no problem sliding up the pocket it's not scrambling like with Caleb like left and right towards the boundary it's more up in the pocket it's it it, to me it was more Mahomesian even at some points than it was Josh Allen and so I just I love this kid. He can run, like you said, better than a lot of people give him credit for. 23 touchdowns over the last two mm-hmm. seasons. Yep. He's a danger in the red zone. Uh, I love this kid. I would take him with the first overall pick in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think twice about it. And that has been my developing Patriots desire. Like, I want them to love some quarterback like you love Drake May. Trade yeah. up and take him. And maybe it, it's even better to me if it's not Caleb Williams, if it's a little bit off the beaten path, yeah. it's truly the guy that Alex Van Pelt and Ben McAdoo and Gerard Mayo, and they all just say, you know what? Screw the world. This is the guy we love. Um, and, and I agree with you. On it's the- like you would have felt better it, comparing that to if in 2021, the Patriots traded up to 10 and took Mac Jones. 
you would feel you would have felt better about the pick because it's like okay they at least had conviction in this guy when they just waited for him to fall to pick 15. right and that was just that kind of example that was definitely the story at the time and part of the narrative yeah the problem is then you would have traded up for a boob and a guy that broke and the guy (laughs) yeah right exactly and I continue to say that's where we have a hole in our scouting as we talk about these top three quarterbacks and really all of them. I would love to be able to sit down for eight, 10, 12 hours, have dinner, go over tape, like talk to them. And I think immediately, if you gave me five quarterbacks, I'd bet you immediately I'd remove two and say, that guy's an a-hole. I want no part of that dweeb. That Just watching them play, I feel like if you sat down and you put Caleb Williams and Drake May on the whiteboard, you're like, oh, yeah, these guys deserve to be here. I don't necessarily know that Jaden Daniels would have the same success. And and some of that is modern football, flat out, is just the, the, Mm -hmm. what was Belichick's world? Streamlining Belichick. I don't want to call it dumbing down because that feels somewhat offensive, but the streamlining of offenses, um, Mike, I think you and I talked to Alex Van Pelt off the record about some of that stuff, so we can't talk about it, but I don't think he's opposed to streamlining his offense and his verbiage and the things that are West Coast for some of these quarterbacks. Hell, um, he may have had to do it last year with the five guys that he came across his uh, desk in, in Cleveland as he went through the process. So, again, I get back to, like, the thing you talked about, Jaden Daniels, coach it out of him. The, like, each one of these isn't a finished product, in my opinion, isn't even really close to a finished product. They just have the extreme potential to be that. And that's like, if you were telling me to draft on potential, like you mentioned the the Anthony Richardson comp, just pure potential, I would absolutely draft Drake May because I think he has the ability to do, that's the Josh Allen for me. I think Josh Allen, you can write on a card, slide it across the table, tell him how to beat you and he can beat you run you over, run around you, throw around you, extend plays and throw on the run, throw through you with a laser that you thought you were going to get your hands on. And I do think Drake May has that upside. The question is, does he get to that upside consistently? Just like with Josh Allen, does he play that way consistently? So, okay, I think we have our three at the top of the draft Mm -hmm. that we all like to varying degrees in terms of their athleticism and their potential in the NFL. I will say one more thing wanted to throw in there, and we haven't gotten to the total end of this, but Alex Van Pelt in his opening press conference talked about captains. Well, as a guy, a three-time captain, is he not a captain? Why is he not a captain? Doing some of the legwork, Jaden Daniels became a full-time captain last year, was a game captain previously. Drake May was a full-time captain two years ago, was just a game captain this year. And I'm not sure exactly what Caleb Williams' captaincy status was, but there'll be other quarterbacks we talk about that are three and four year captains. So if that's a priority, maybe Alex Van Pelt's trading down to get one of those guys. I don't know. Okay. So now we need to talk about who's next and where are they? And again, shine gets ahead of himself, tipped his hand here, Sorry. madly in love with Michael Penix. He loves apparently big Penix energy and lefties that can zip it down the field. Um, I soured more on Michael Penix. The more I, uh, did work on him. Um, First of all, admitted it to Cadlick. I hate lefty quarterbacks. I just have a thing. Understandable. Black mark. Um, second, I do think he's a better runner than he's given credit for. We saw a little bit of that in the national title game. Um, I don't know where that'll go in the NFL, if he'll be get back to a little bit more, more mobile style, if they clear his knees and all the injuries, whatever. We're not doctors. We can't do that. Um, I think he's a good, not great player. I think he'll be a tease um he's in a weird world for me like of Jarrett Stidham or Ryan Mallett where he can spin it if you just want to watch somebody throw a football get a beer set up a chair and be like oh that's pretty that looks nice 
<laughs> I don't know that he can do it consistently enough, timely enough at the NFL level. A um, couple games I watched this year, one of them might have been one of the Oregon games against Bo Nix. He had a little um, Teflon Tommy Brady in him where he did his best to throw the ball to the other team two or three times, didn't, and then got the job done in the end. But it concerns me because you do that more in the NFL. I think it catches up with you more than it catches up with you maybe against the Ducks defense. Um, so my next guy in line, and I don't know how I got here. I really don't. Oh, no way. Is JJ McCarthy? Oh, smokes! I don't know how I got here. I didn't want to. I, I Andy, I'm with. I you. ripped Harbaugh when he's <laughs> like, "Oh, when this guy goes higher than people expect." I think he actually said, "When this guy goes first or the first quarterback, get the hell out of here. He's not going to be the first quarterback taken." Um, but JJ McCarthy is kind of got the total package, and I know he total package of the next tier. Like if he had the total package, be up higher. And I know he comes from sort of their offense and quorum and like. They're not exactly slinging it all over the field. And I think the unknown is helping him. Penix and Bo Nix didn't have great senior bowls. They slung it all over the field at various points for people to see on and big national televised games to make up their minds. I think McCarthy is sneaking under the radar as like, an oh, I think he's going to be a better pro than he is in college. I just kind of like him. And I fell more in love with him as I fell less. I never liked Nix. I've never been a Bo Nix guy. Um, and then as I fell less, less in love with Penix, I moved um, McCarthy up the board. So McCarthy would be my next, although I wouldn't take him in the first round. I don't think any of these other guys are first round picks. Mm. So I think, uh, I think that Penix is a first round pick. I think uh, there's a really good chance if Minnesota stays at 11, that they would consider taking Michael Penix there at 11. Um, I just think he would fit perfectly with Kevin O'Connell in that kind of, in a McVay style system. I just think he, he would thrive there. I just think he can, he, man, he can sling it. You're right, Andy. You want to watch some guy just throw the football, turn on some Michael Penix tape, crack a beer and sit back and enjoy because that guy can sling it. And he doesn't take sacks. The guy, he'll throw, he has, and he has by far the best arm in, in, in the draft. Like it's not even close. The guy can throw. Yep. a million miles. Um, and I also think he kind of falls back on that a lot of the time though, which is a negative for him. And, and so, but I think with a guy like in a McVay system, a lot of under center, a lot of just kind of like, all right, here's your one, two read, get the ball out. Let's go. Like, I think he would have a lot of success and he could learn and be better um, with JJ McCarthy. For me, I think all the tools are there. I get, I think you're right. Michigan did a really good job of kind of hiding him. And there's a mystery there. It's like, uh, you know, do you want a boat or do you, do you want a mystery box? It could be a boat. You could get a boat. Who knows? And, <laughs> or a goat. And, yeah. Or it could be a goat. And Chewing is, on hay. <laughs> he is, he is the mystery box. And so I think JJ McCarthy to me screams trade back into the back of the first round, draft him so that you have the fifth year option and have him sit a season like that. Mm -hmm. Jordan love type deal. You're drafting him onto a team mm -hmm. where you have a, a quarterback ish type deal uh, that may or may not be there the following year. Who knows? But like, he doesn't need to start right away because I think starting JJ McCarthy right away would be a nail in the coffin for him. It would probably end up Sam Darnold in. That's kind of what he reminds me of. Like he has all the same tools. There's athleticism, there's ability there, but I think if you throw him in right away, especially with a bad play caller, you're going to ruin him forever. And so I think if if you want JJ McCarthy to have success, he's the last guy I would consider using a first round pick on. Wouldn't be my inclination, but like if you want to go back at the end of the first round, uh, just so you can get that fifth year option, have him sit here and come out, like I'm okay with it. So I'm 
I have talked about flip flip flopping early with uh, May and Daniels. Like I'm pretty much set on Caleb May Daniels as the top three. I've gone back and forth. JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix as my four and five. Like hey, I thought you were a Bo Nix like, guy. No, I'm not a Knicks guy. We did this. <laughs> I, I have Knicks. I'll get to Bo Nix. I have Bo Nix as like the seventh best quarterback in this Okay. Class. That dude, and, and we'll get to it. But as far as Penix and uh, and JJ McCarthy, we, I mean, we talk about Penix, right? And he does. He does have a rocket arm and he does have a, he's probably have the best arm in, in college football. He did also benefit from having the best offensive line and the best receiving core in college football. Uh, he so doesn't like, have the best receiving core. Jaden Davis receivers. was throwing to two top 20 picks. Yeah, okay, but okay, but uh, Pettix was throwing to Odunze and then two second round picks, and Rome is better than the other two, arguably. Uh, I don't know. Neighbors is really good. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, two wagons of, of wide sure. receiver course. So they both benefited from that. And it's I kind of hate taking that away from guys because you just have to play the cards that you were dealt. And if you're throwing a good receivers, that's what you and do. And it doesn't right? always mean um, anything. It can mean nothing. Right. Or, it, yep. Joe Burrow was great. He was thrown to great receivers. Mac yeah, Jones was thrown to great receivers and he was not great. So right there, you just have like, you kind of have to figure it out on just the quarterback and what he's doing and how it's all playing out within the games. Yep. Right. But so, and then the other thing with Penix too, is like his game is kind of volatile. Like even from the, the national championship, like the, the playoff rather, he has an outstanding game against uh, Texas goes rogue is, you know, climbing up the boards, top 10 pick, whatever. Then all of a sudden he, you know, throws up a, a basically a dud in the national championship game, and then all of a sudden he's falling. And so like, there's just been a little bit too much roller coaster there for me. And JJ McCarthy, the reason I think I've liked him so much, kind of is almost that unknown. Um, and his his ability, he's he's also sneaky bigger than I expected. I didn't realize he's six three watching him play. And then, and granted, he's probably going to measure in at like six two. Who knows? Right. But they list him at six three on Michigan's website. And his off platform throwing might be second to only uh, Caleb Williams in the class. The way that that dude can get out of the pocket, contort his body, throw a dart to Roman Wilson's chest or Cornelius Johnson's chest. Like there were some throws in there uh, in that film that I watched over the last couple of days, last couple of weeks on McCarthy. That was like, oh, snap. If you can get that out of him more often. Um, and again, I, I like the idea of having, like I look at a team like the Giants with Daniel Jones, who in granted they're picking at like six. So I don't think they're going to use like the sixth overall pick on him. But um if they trade into the first round to grab a guy like JJ McCarthy, let him develop behind Daniel Jones. And then you make a decision on Jones. You have JJ McCarthy behind him. That sort of seems like a, a type of place that McCarthy could land. So we're kind of beating around this. And before we go into like that next group, which I guess Bo Nix is kind of our bridge into that next group, wherever he is, because he's been a popular uh, quarterback for six years now, since Auburn and all that back there. Yeah. But so are there do we have a number of first round quarterbacks like we we got three and then now we're kind of talking about Penix and JJ McCarthy and back in and out I know for a while there some people thought six were going to go in the first round um what is what is our general expectation of of these guys are we are we down to five first round picks potentially I think so I think those five can sneak in I think you're making a big mistake if you take Bonex in the first round yeah I would set the like if I was setting a line I would set it at four and a half to me, that seems right. Like I could, it, it to me, it's it is Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels are a hundred percent going in right. the first round. I think Penix goes in the first round, um, even after the medicals, and then I think JJ McCarthy is mm -hmm. a question mark. Okay, um, so let's let's go to the next couple because we have two guys that I think their stock, um, at least based on Twitter media narratives reports, are going in different directions. So Bo Nix 
didn't have a good senior bowl. People like to talk about the character, you know, Bo Nix at Auburn versus Bo Nix at Oregon and which is which. It's kind of like Brian Bosworth and the Boz. Remember that documentary they made? And those are two different people. Like, which Bo Nix is the NFL Bo Nix? Is he a blending of the two? And it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, his arrow might be going in the wrong direction here as he approaches the draft. And then this late Spencer Rattler is the real Patrick Mahomes comp in this draft thing that's going on. Um, I'll be honest, I don't get it in terms of that. Like, when I watch him play, I see a backup with upside, a backup that could become a starter, could steal some starts, whatever. I don't look at him and be like, this guy's disrespected. He should be in the conversation of the first round or anything of that nature. Now, obviously, he's had his own weird career path. Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. good there. Now, South Carolina. Um, I I don't dislike him. He's like, he's definitely got the Mahomesian escapability. That, That comparison I see. Like that ability to wait, wait, wait. And then three guys are close and he does almost the little Fred Flintstones, like steps out of it and and gets moving. I see that, but I don't see the consistent upside production, playmaking ability, maximization of those opportunities that he creates for himself. So can you guys clue me in on what I'm missing with Spencer Rattler? No, I'm kind of with you on this okay. one. I don't know how Catholic feels about Rattler. I don't hate, look at, I don't hate Rattler. I think a lot of his issues, I mean, I think he was pressured like 38% of his dropbacks, which is a ridiculously mm. high number. He was constantly under pressure, constantly under duress. Talk about a guy playing hero ball. Yep. Spencer Rattler was playing hero ball all the time at South Carolina. And I think he has his, I think you're seeing a late push for him. I don't expect it to be, you know, maybe the beginning of the third round kind of draft spot for him, but I don't think he's going to be a starter, at least not right away. He needs time to sit. You need to work out a lot of those issues that resulted in him being constantly pressured and him playing hero ball. There are a lot of issues with that. I also don't think he has the same kind of arm talent Patrick Mahomes had coming out of college. Like Mahomes made a lot of bad decisions in college, but it's because he could make every throw in the book. And so in some ways he was trying to find his limits in other ways he was playing hero ball. And so there was a lot of different reasons for why he was making mistakes. Whereas with Rattler, I don't think he has the same kind of arm talent and I don't think he's making the best decisions. Again, a lot of those decisions could be because he's under duress so much, but for me, Rattler is a, you're right, Andy backup with upside middle of the third round, beginning of the fourth round is where I would ideally take him. If he gets taken at the beginning of the third round, am I going to freak out? Probably not. So I can't get behind Bo Nix, which is why I have officially put Spencer Rattler ahead of him on my rankings. Okay. I just look at, you mentioned the Auburn Bo Nix and a guy who frankly stunk at quarterback when he played. Oh, he was so Auburn bad. Players. Like he was legitimately a bad football player. Now, granted, he makes clear leaps and bounds and goes to Oregon, but plays in this Dan, Dan Lanning system where like it was just so easy. Guys were running bare ass naked across the field and he's just, Easily hitting them on layups in the chest and a lot of check downs. Make believe offense. Exactly. A lot of check downs. It was. I know he broke like the record or whatever for completion percentage, but like that's not real. Because of the check downs. And he would throw a a bubble screen to a guy and he'd take it 80 yards for six. And so it's like, it's like present day Derek Carr. Exactly. And so, like, it's, I mean, can you knock a guy for that? No, he's just taking what's given to him. But to then have his game translate to the NFL, 
I just don't see it with him. And with Spencer Rattler making this late push, like, look, that roller coaster you talked about with him at uh, Oklahoma, rather, he was supposed to be the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft when he was like a right. freshman at Oklahoma. Yep. Shit hit the fan. Uh, the Caleb, William- Caleb Williams is there, starts over. We can swear. Yeah, we get a little crass. Jeez, you get a yeah, Come on, it's a podcast. <laughs> Stuff hits the fan. Uh, and Caleb goes there, you know, beats him out, obviously. And then he, like, there were some red flags with him when he first got to South Carolina. Like, there was some, like, weird, like, he was, like, bullying someone. It was kind of odd with Spencer Rattler. But he's sort of done a 180 off the field wise. Yep. And I feel like he's kind of rebounded and put himself together. And I think that's a trait that we can all get behind as someone that's like a good thing for a quarterback. And so as of late with this push that he made at the senior bowl, I have Rattler over Bo Nix right now because I just can't do it with Nix. Yeah. I wouldn't draft Nix. Like, and it's not that he's undraftable in a sense that like, I think he's a bad guy or whatever. I just don't see an upside. I just don't, I think if I draft him, he comes to my camp and then maybe he makes my, you know, practice squad for a couple of years. Like I just don't see, whereas Rattler, okay, maybe you could talk me into a late round day three. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't draft him on the first two days. Like, I just don't think he has that kind of upside. And then, yeah, if you want to use a Bailey Zappy kind of pick on him where you really don't have a lot of faith in him, but you're just hoping. Okay. So we're going to, there's a few handful more. We'll pick and choose who you want to talk about. I want to start. I got one. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Because this is, well, first of all, I love orange. And second of all, this is. We'll each take one wild card here. Um, my favorite prospect in a way that as long as I don't need him to play football games and win for me. So Joe Milton is freaking awesome. <laughs> like, he's big. He's fast. He can throw it out the stadium. He can do everything you want other than play the quarterback position <laughs> at a high level. And. Yep. I just I I think maybe if I was like a UFL quarterbacks coach, I'd want to draft him and just like on that off chance that I can work the Midas touch with him because he's kind of got the Josh Allen or the Drake May thing where if you could ever find a way to harness it, because sometimes he just stinks when he throws the football. Oh, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But and I saw something like he completes like 30% of his passes, if they have to travel more than 10 yards, like he just, he literally can't throw from A to B. (laughs) And yet there's a, a a saying on Joe Milton that I learned from, uh, from Alex Barth from the other station. If you need Joe Milton to throw it 80 yards, he's going to throw it 80 yards. If you need Joe Milton to throw it 10 yards, he's going to throw it 80. Perfect. Like there's just the old Leroy Horde from the Browns. You know, coach, you need right. me to get three yards. I'll, I'll get you three yards. You need me to get 10 yards. I'll get you three yards, coach. Like, that's what I'm getting right. you. And I don't know. I just, he's almost got like a circus performer kind of ability where I just want to put him in the freak show and see if I can make it's it. It's hilarious. But okay. It's just funny to watch Joe Milton play football. It, it is. But, okay. So who, who you guys got? Uh, so I actually have uh, Michael Pratt out of Tulane ahead of yeah. both Bo Nix and Spencer Rattler. Uh, I just think he's a better version of Bo Nix. If he, if you put Michael Pratt at Oregon, he does exactly what Bo Nix did. And he can scoot a little bit. Like, I think Pratt is pretty good. I think he can hit kind of multiple levels of the field. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to be anything, you know, spectacular. But to me, it's kind of Desmond Rittery with where it's like really good backup with potential good spot start ability. And then like maybe eventually could be a starter, but not necessarily. So I like Pratt. I think he has some ability there. Um, I like his uh, uh, improvisational ability. I just think he can't play football. That's kind of where I was at. I was like, he's just one of those kids that it's like, I watch him. I'm like, oh, 
he can play football. I like him. And that's just kind of where I am with Michael Pratt. Okay. And uh, those Tulane light blue uniforms might be the best Fire, uniforms yeah. I've come across. Oh, they're so much year. fun to watch. Yeah. So good. Okay. What do you got, Cadillac? All right. I got a real one and a fake one. My first one is Jordan Travis. Uh, obviously, one of the he played really well this season, was, a, was in Heisman contention for Florida State, and then uh, gets injured. He's out for the season, whatever. A team's going to take a chance on him. And if, you know, three, four, five things happened on the line, he might get a chance to start football games. Who knows? Maybe he plays decent because he was pretty good in college. Yep. And I feel like the, the injury kind of screwed his draft stock. Um, someone who I've loved for the last like five years, I think I've bet on him to win the Heisman like three times and it never just ended up amounting to anything is Keaton Slovis from BYU. I loved him so much at USC. He was so good his first year. And he, it was like, uh, who was the kid from Penn state? Uh, Christian Hackenberg, who was oh, yeah. so good as a freshman. And then down, 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 down for the rest of his career. That's been Keaton Slovis in college goes to Pitt, goes to BYU Hasn't been great since his freshman year, but if he can hang on somewhere and kind of rekindle that freshman year USC, then I really liked him. So I, I'm interested to see where he goes just for the fact that I was a fan of him at USC. Okay, so one guy we didn't talk about, and I think for good reason, but I just, you know, when you're the quarterback of Notre Dame, everybody sees you play a lot because you're mm -hmm. always on TV. Um, Good-looking fellow. <laughs> Me and Sean just made the same exact well, yeah. when he said that. I roll like, all right, yeah. <laughs> and I think we all ignored yeah. him for the same reason, like – um, that when they played their bowl game and he was on the sideline and he was like, he did a long interview, like he's got a career maybe in TV or modeling or something. He's got the hair and what yeah. he wants to be like, he's just not that, that good a quarterback. I don't really understand. He's another one of those that I want no part of. I don't see any upside. He was so bad at the senior bowl. Like, he's just not good. He's just like, yeah, he, no upside there for me. Okay. So we agree on that. Um, another one. Uh, that I did a little work on because I wasn't really familiar with is Devin Leary out of Kentucky. Um, was an NC State guy, transferred to Kentucky. Yeah. Had a really good year like three years ago. Hasn't really been good since. Um, but I would draft him ahead of Hartman and give him a shot. I think he scoots around a little bit, can throw a little bit. Um, the guy I actually um, liked was Davis. Like I don't know what the medicals are going to be on Jordan Davis. He reminded me of like a little bit of Baker. Um, where he can kind of scoot around, move those feet, make throws on the run. Travis, Jordan Travis. I mean, Jordan Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, D lineman for the Eagles, isn't it? Yeah, he? I was going to say, the kid yeah. who ran like a 4 five forty. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Travis, sorry. And I would take, I'm assuming my doctors say he's okay, but I, I do yeah. think this draft kind of drops off. Like, we're, there's a lot of talk about the 100%. top end quarterbacks, and that's where I say, well, maybe the draft doesn't have the Russell Wilson. Maybe it doesn't have the Brock Purdy or the Tom Brady. Maybe it just has three prospects that are going to go in the top three picks, and those are the three good ones from this draft, and everybody else can wash out in three years, and it doesn't have the normal kind of middling tier. So my two questions that we're going to wrap this up with, we want to stay under an hour on these, but quarterbacks is obviously going to be one of the longer ones. Wide receivers feels like it could get long too, but we'll uh, deal with that when yeah, we get there. There's a lot of those. So I think we've already um, – Kind of hedged our bets, but I want to. I want definitively on the record, the best quarterback out of this draft in five years. The guy who's going to maybe join the ranks of Mahomes and Burrow and whatever your top. The next C.J. Stroud. Uh, the next C.J. Well, maybe not because I'm not even saying it has to be this year. It could Fair. take a little developmental time. Maybe a guy gets lucky and he does sit, and they don't force him, or maybe he pulls a hammy that forces him to sit, and that's developmentally positive. So, I'm going to start with mine. 
and I don't feel great about this because I think they're all going to be good. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 my, if, if I had to press anything, all three are going to be Pro Bowl quarterbacks, or not Pro Bowl because that's stupid now. Like all three yeah. are going to be good quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, because the Pro Bowl doesn't even have good quarterbacks anymore. It doesn't mean bad. anything. <laughs> right. right. Um, I think all Sean's boy was a Pro Bowl quarterback at one time. God. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Jaden Daniels as the best quarterback in this draft. I think he's going to be a, right. a Lamar MVP candidate. I don't know if he'll ever win the Super Bowl because guess what? Lamar hasn't won it either. And sometimes those style quarterbacks still have something to prove, but I'm going with Jaden Daniels. Yeah, we. I think we all know where I'm going. I'm going Drake May. I'm yep. not going to hesitate. Spent that guy's going to be, yeah, he's, I, as soon as the odds come out, I will bet on Drake May to win rookie of the year in the NFL. No matter where he goes. All right. No matter where he goes. Okay, good. And Cadillac? I'm going to make, take the easier route. I'm going to take Caleb Williams. I'm obsessed with this game. I think he's the best player in the class. I think his tools are unbelievable, and it'll be hard to miss on him no matter where you put him. Okay. With that question answered, we covered all our bases. One of us is going to be right. Um, we're going to go to the next group, the next pairing, whoever it may be. If there is going to be a top quarterback to not come from those three guys, who's it going to be, Chris Scheim? It's Michael Penix. I think – in the dream scenario, in a dream scenario, he falls to the second round to the Miami Dolphins and does exactly what they always wanted Tua to do because he could throw piss missiles to Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle all day. I don't hate all that. day. That would be and like left. the most. It would be the most electric offense yeah. in football with a great play caller. He'd be in a system that's going to be friendly to him. Quick decisions with guys who are just going to attack space. That's exactly what he needs. Otherwise, I think he goes to a guy like Kevin O'Connell or even to Sean McVay to back up Matt Stafford for a year. I think Michael Penix is absolutely the next guy on my list. I got to tell you, I'm, I don't love the Vikings thing, even though he would maybe have Justin Jefferson to throw to. You send him to Miami and he can overtake yeah. Tua at some point. That's a that's an appealing uh, theoretical. That that's like an we know Tua can get hurt. Like he gets drafted yeah. by Miami. Tua gets hurt midseason, and Michael Penix comes in and takes him on like a run to the AFC Championship yep. game. Makes sense. I don't hate it. Cadillac. Yeah, I I got to double up on Penix. As like, yes, I have JJ McCarthy over him right now, but as I explained, a lot of that is sort of the unknown and the intangibles, not just the game itself. Like I think that JJ has much more bust material than Penix. I think Penix is sort of steadier as an NFL prospect. And so I think Penix 100%. And just like you, Andy, I've sort of in the last 45 seconds fallen in love with, my, with Michael Penix being the next Miami Dolphins quarterback. You're welcome. Like it just puts like him it. in the same system, same system type of vibes as like Washington yeah. with the Dunes. And with McMillan better and receivers. Them, so. Right. It's literally exactly. putting him right. in Washington with better receivers. Uh, and that's hard yeah. to do with so, Romo Dunes being it. your number one receiver. I'm going to go right. with J.J. McCarthy. Um, Ooh. Okay. I don't know where he goes. I don't know what the situation is, and he might get lucky that he gets to sit for a little while. He might get to take it in, come out of nowhere, injury, replace a bad quarterback, and people I, – I don't know exactly what it'll be, but I think he's sneaky, has all the tools. I think being with Harbaugh could help him, um, and I just think long-term he has the ability to be a good starting NFL quarterback. Not great. Like, I don't think he'll ever be a franchise quarterback, but I think he has the ability to maybe get a long career in the NFL out of this class, not name the top three. So he's grown on me. I don't know why. I didn't want to like him. I don't like Michigan. I don't like Harbaugh. I didn't want to like him. And then I found myself kind of saying, yeah, if I needed a quarterback in like the second round or whatever, I might consider taking this guy. So 
Yes, J.J. McCarthy. Okay, and as we wrap this up, the question everybody's been listening for, when all is said and done on Thursday, April 20-whatever day that is, the quarterback of the New England Patriots will be? Drake May. J.J. Uh, mm. McCarthy, but not because they take him at three. Okay, I don't hate it. What I just said, you know, some of this yeah. other crap going. If they trade down, get three first-round picks, uh, Justin Jefferson and J.J. McCarthy, and we got a J.J. and a J.J. as the future of the offense, I don't hate it. I can talk yeah, myself into that being fun. It's more fun than what I've watched the last four effing years. You're damn so, right it is. <laughs> so I can talk myself into that. Uh, I'm going to go Jaden Daniels. I'm going to stick with my guy. I think Jaden Daniels, I'm not sure exactly how this all plays out with trades and ups and downs and whatever. Um, but I think they're going to be in the top of the draft. I think I think Gerard Mayo wants a quarterback. I think he knows how important a quarterback is. Um, so I think Gerard Mayo and Elliot Wolf are going to find a way to get Jaden Daniels. So that is our first six rings prospect preview. The quarterbacks in the books. We're going to keep it under an hour. He's Mike Cadlick. He's Chris Scheim, WEI. And we will be back next week to talk about what these two already started fighting about a little bit, the wide receiver position. Another position which just so happens to be of interest for the New England Patriots, unless, of course, they trade for Justin Jefferson. But considering I don't think that's a likely scenario, I'm going to say they're yeah, going to be yeah. looking for a receiver in either the second or the third round. Who knows? Maybe number three overall, Maserati Marvin. We will talk about it from top to bottom. For these guys, for FanDuel, our sponsors, make every moment more. For Fitzy and everybody else involved with the Six Rings family, if you have any questions, Hit us up individually on Twitter or at Six Rings Pod on Twitter. Join the conversation. Join the fun. It is the most important offseason in Patriots history, and we're here to chronicle it every step of the way from free agency to the draft to press conferences, the combine, the whole damn thing. Six Rings out.